You're listening to Hive Hoops, a Charlotte Hornets podcast. Here's your host, Joshua Balta. Something I could not wait to jump into is what would be the expectations of this team, this roster, without the production from Miles Bridges? And so this has been a question that has dominated the offseason ever since the Miles Bridges situation came onto the scene. And Mitch Kupchak had a pregame presser interview with Ashley Shamady prior to the Pelicans game. So last episode, I hit you with Steve Clifford's postgame presser. I'm going to backtrack because that's what we're going to do and hit on Mitch Kupchak's pregame interview with Ashley Shamady. And Mitch raised some eyebrows. That's for certain. It was a nice interview. Ashley did a great job, as always. Mitch was giving good information. He couldn't say much about Miles' situation, obviously, for all of the legal reasons and, and more. But yet, at the very end... Ashley Shamady asks Mitch Kupchak, what are the expectations after this offseason? And she tried to dig and see what all Mitch would offer. But at the end, she said, so after the offseason that we just had, what exactly are the expectations? And Mitch hits us with a bang. Right off the jump, well, last year, this is what Mitch said. This is what Mitch said right here. Well, last year, we were 43 and 39. I don't expect for us to go backwards. So better. Now, I'm paraphrasing the better part right there. But Mitch states in that interview, that he expects the Charlotte Hornets to be better record-wise than they were last year. What? That's crazy, right? A lot of people's like, no way he said that. Oh, yes, he said that. It's all, it, hey, it's out there for you to view, okay? It's out there. And so I was watching, I'm like, Man, he really just went there like better record-wise. He's not saying, oh, we might be better now. He did throw in the little caveat of, I think the East is better this year than it was last year, and it was pretty good last year. He did add that in. But he held pretty strong in his belief that this team should continue to improve. And he brought up how that's what that's what this team has done each year for the past three seasons. And then he sees no reason as to why it shouldn't happen again. And I know many people are watching that and they're like, Mitch, you got to be kidding me, man. There's no way you actually believe that. Guy loves his second round picks. You can't show me another human 
who loves second-round picks more than Mitch Kupchak. Number one GM in the NBA. Traded a lottery pick for four of them jokers. That's crazy. Now, we also got a first. But he wanted to make sure he got his four seconds in that deal. And maybe that's why he's so confident. Maybe Mitch really does believe that he's done a pretty good job constructing this roster. And I think I can speak for all Hornets fans. We got a little excited after watching that first performance from Nick Richards against the Spurs, where he hit career highs, points, and rebounds. Had us thinking, man, maybe Mitch hit on another second. Maybe he knew. Maybe that's he, he's been waiting for Nick Richards to get the those types of opportunities in real-time games. Maybe he's known. Maybe. It's a great question. And I think that's where Mitch rests. I think that he believes in this roster a lot more than than many of us fans and people who follow the team closely and put out content on the team and different things like that. I I think he believes in this roster. He sees them every day on a basis on an everyday basis and maybe he was sitting pat this this summer thinking, "You know what? We're going to be okay." Now, personally, I don't want to let Mitch off the hook. I think that Borrego got a lot of the hate last year for his rotations, for his minutes, for who he chose to put on the court and who he did not choose to put on the court. But I was I was I was a pretty big proponent for Mitch Kupchak deserves his criticism. Mason Plumley rolling out there as as the best center option. That's the best he can do. That's what he's got. That's what he wants us to work with. Come on now. Signing Gordon Hayward to that big contract, knowing his injury history, just to see that play out before our own eyes. That's tough. That's tough. It's a lot of money. And then not only that, we had to stretch Batum in that deal. Still paying Batum even this year. Yep. Nick Batum siding on Hive Hoops. Here it is, early. Had to get him in early. He's still on the books, guys. So that we can bring in a guy who's missed two-plus months each of the past two seasons when we needed him most. It's frustrating. But Mitch just seems like he's sitting there and he's like, hey, I like the roster. I like where we're at. We're going to be fine. I hope he's right. I hope he's right. Now, with that, it pulled me back. When Mitch said that, the obvious thing is you just missed out or you're going to be missing out on Miles Bridges' production from last year. And you did nothing to replace that. So how can you say that we're going to be better than last year when we're missing a guy who, I, I guess you could call him fringe all-star. I Personally, I didn't quite have him there. 
He led the team in scoring, did some really good things, rim pressure for sure. Best on the team. Finishing around the rim easily. Best on the team. But there were areas in which he seriously lacked. His three-point shot was hit or miss. It would just come and go like he, he, he was streaky. But it wasn't a constant. It wasn't anything that you could really count on. And then his defense, a lot of it, I believe, was defensive principles and scheme. I think I've brought that up in each episode because it keeps coming. That was the biggest area of need. And I think it... I think that there are some good defensive basketball players on the Charlotte Hornets roster. I really do. They have the they have the attributes, they have the tangibles in order to be good defensively. We're long, lengthy, athletic, instinctive. I think it came back to those simplistic schemes that just don't work in the NBA. That overhelping. But Miles Bridges, all of a sudden, this summer, had a lot of conversations with a lot of Hornets fans, thinking that all of a sudden the Hornets are going to go from a 43-win team to barely being able to eclipse 30. Now, I think the preseason, in the preseason, it scared us a little bit more because this preseason was rough. The preseason for the Charlotte Hornets was rough. Now, you always have to take that with a grain of salt because there are guys getting minutes that won't be getting minutes. There's rotations, just trying things, seeing what you got, seeing what you don't have. Because really, in all actuality, the practices are what's giving you the best idea of minutes and rotations. But then you get in a game, you're like, hey, I just want to try this in a simulation type Exhibition, let's try this and see what happens. And so you got to take it for what it is. It's preseason. But thinking that the Charlotte Hornets were going to lose upwards 10 to 15 games because Miles Bridges would not be available or even on this roster for this season, I always thought was absolutely ludicrous. He's not that type of player. And now I what he did on the court last year, he did great things on the court, on the court. But he's not that type of player and I kept asking on Twitter, friends, family, other fans like what like what type of player do you believe Miles Bridges is for us for the Charlotte Hornets to take such a dive and act as if none of that re- production's going to be replaced with additional opportunities from other guys i never understood that i never understood that and so one thing i immediately went to was win shares win shares is basically the stat that combines offensive and defensive rating, and then it adds all of the things together to see how many wins a player directly impacts individually. 
Like how many wins does a player give a team just strictly from their production? And so I I was looking through the list, and I mean this just validated how I felt even previously. But I'm I'm gonna shout out some of these real quick. Jokic led the lead in win shares last year at 15. So what win shares is saying is that Jokic by himself he added 15 wins to the Denver Nuggets. You take him off, like the law of averages that the Nuggets would have lost or won 15 less games and lost 15 more. He accounted for 15 wins, essentially, with just his production. Second was Giannis, right at 13. Embiid followed at 12. Gobert was fourth. Right under 12 at 11.7. Cat came in fifth at 10.3. And Trey Young came in at sixth with 10 win shares. Those are your top six. Those are the only six players who added 10 plus wins to their team total based solely upon their production. Everybody else in the league is under 10. And so we have to go, we have to scroll for quite a bit before we get down to Miles Bridges, where he sits at seven. So according to win shares, Miles Bridges added seven wins to the Charlotte Hornets last season. And there are some of you saying that there was going to be 10 plus, 11, 12, 13, that we were barely... That, that the Charlotte Hornets might not get to 30 wins on the season. I've never understood that. That's one. So I guess you could say that's the one area in which I've just completely not understood Hornets Twitter, Hornets fans, just the sky is falling. Like, there's no way we can replace what Miles Bridges did. He did too much. He was too good for us. Like, I don't think we can get to 30. Or right at 30 is the most. Going from 43 down to 30. That'd be 13. He's not Jokic, guys. He's not Giannis. He's not Cat. He's not that caliber of player. He's not an all-star. I know a lot of people wanted him to be an all-star last year, but he wasn't. And he's not an all-star. There's still there were big gaps in his game. I mean, take all the the personal things that happened over the summer away. I mean, let's not take them away because they're important and they matter, but I'm just strictly talking on the court. He's not an all-star. Maybe fringe. If you want to say fringe all-star, go for it. But he's not that type of player to where an entire roster is just going to fall to the wayside because he's no longer in the building. And it was another reason why I was frustrated with Mitch Kupchak this summer because just kept waiting. Like We were in this holding pattern where we were just doing nothing. 
The Charlotte Hornets weren't making any moves. There were no additions. Backup point guard position, I mean, went months without a backup point guard. Went months without making a move. Resigned Cody. All right. To a good deal, fair deal. But Miles Bridges wasn't the type of player to hold an entire summer hostage. And so, in doing so, that just built frustration for me personally. And I think it built frustration for other Hornets fans too because you look at the landscape of the league and he's not that guy who's so important, who just does so many things to where he alone can hold a summer hostage, which it felt like. We just kept that. The Charlotte Hornets were just in this this waiting pattern to you know to see what would come of the Miles Bridges situation, and so I was frustrated. I was very frustrated with Mitch. I was very frustrated with the organization because I he's not that caliber of player that deserves to hold up all team operations. And so his win shares, they're at seven. So you take that production away, the Hornets are sitting at 36. All right? And then some of that production is going to be replaced by the P.J. Washingtons, by the Jalen McDaniels, by LaMelo Ball, who I think he's the easiest one for us to say, oh, yeah, he's going to pick up the production. He's going to pick up a good chunk of that production. He's the easiest one for us to be able to point to and say, yeah, he's going to be the greatest benefactor of increased opportunities. Now, preseason was rough. I think LaMelo's trying out some things different. It's fine. It's fine. Just need him to get healthy. He's going to come back. He was an all-star, and he was an all-star for a reason because he is that caliber of player. So I am leaning on LaMelo Ball to make up a good portion of the production that will be lost from Bridges. P.J. Washington should get additional opportunities as well. A good three-point shooter. Jalen McDaniels, 38% free uh, three-point shooter last season. 38% from three, Jalen McDaniels. He's going to see increased opportunities. He's long. He's lengthy. He's a guy that's going to give you effort defensively. He needs to pick it up from last season. But once again, I think a lot of that was defensive principles. But Jalen McDaniels can be an immediate X factor on this team shooting from three. He's a good three-point shooter. He can offer you defensive length. He's going to give you increased opportunities. Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward, these are all guys that are going to chip in. Now, I don't like to mention Gordon Hayward when it comes to long-term plans. 
I mean, I'm just talking for a season, long-term plans for the season, not in the future, but for the season, because I feel like it's a foregone conclusion that you need to prepare yourself as a roster to be without Gordon Hayward for extensive amount of time. At some point in the season, I think that at this point, you have to do that. And so I hope that Mitch has a lot of trust and faith in P.J. Washington, Jalen McDaniels, and Kelly Oubre because the lack of moves, the lack of bringing anything in, the lack of trading anything away to bring something else in that maybe fits a little bit better, it was non-existent until we got DSJ just a couple weeks before the season started. Now, apparently he was in the building working out with the guys, doing different things throughout the season or throughout the offseason. But still, went a long time without doing anything. But then Mitch Kupchak is going to state that he expects for this team to be better than they were last year at 43 wins. That's what he said. My personal, I have the team at 35 wins. This was before we played the first game because I didn't think that the production loss from Bridges would be that great. I accounted the reason for the eight less wins was just the East got better. Simply. And I believe Gordon Hayward's probably going to go down at some point. And at, once you get there, you're not going to really trade at the deadline and try to bring somebody in just so that you can meddle around for what? The 9-10 seed again? Maybe 35 gets you there. Maybe it doesn't to the play-in. But hopefully we see some bigger jumps. Nick Richards showed out a lot in that first game against the Spurs. Be nice to have a formidable front court in Charlotte. I don't know. Big Al, last time that we could say that. I don't know, though, guys. It was it, it caught me. When he said it, I was just... He said, what? Mitch Kupchak said that? He really believes that? And... The inaction makes me believe that he does. That he believes in this roster. That he believes in... He stated that he was really excited about the draft we just had. Bringing in Mark Williams. Bryce McGowans. Said he was really excited about that. Now we haven't seen much of Mark on the floor in preseason. Haven't seen him in these first two games. Outside of four or five minutes at the end of the San Antonio game. But maybe Mitch really does believe in this roster. I, I mean, I'd like to see what he's seeing. I'd like to be looking through those purple and teal glasses that he's got on. But at the same time, as much as I've been frustrated with him, I kind of believe that the Hornets are going to be in that same realm. I have, the, I have them at 35. I think that the... It wouldn't surprise me if the Hornets won 38, 40 games. It just wouldn't. This roster's too, like, 
it, it it's too good to not win 35 to 38 games. Now, if you want to pick apart the definition of good there, oh, do you really have a good roster if you're only winning 35, 38 games? I get it. I get it. I'm right there with you. Like, But that, what I'm saying is this roster is too good to be one of those teams that's down there with 25, 26, 28 wins. Like, no. We got, an, we got a legitimate all-star on our roster. When Gordon Hayward is healthy, no matter – I don't know how many games he'll be healthy for, but he's good when he's healthy. Terry Rozier is good. P.J. Washington, hopefully he can become a two-way player, one of the top two-way players in the league. That's – I mean, I got high hopes for him. I think he can take a big jump. And I don't want to let Mitch off the hook, but at the same time, he said the same thing over uh, when he was at the draft combine. He said, there's a world in which I can see that we don't make any moves and we're still better than we were last year because of growth. That caught me too. I was like, oh, that's a scary comment. I don't want to let him off the hook, but at the same time, just losing Miles Bridges, that's not going to tank your season, guys. It's just not. He's not that type of guy. He's not that, he's not that kind of player where you just drastically lose way more games than usual or than you did the, pre, the, the season before. He's just not. And so, one and one, headed to Atlanta. Can't wait to see how that goes. Going to be down three of our top guards. I don't know if you'd quite say your top three because had Kelly Oubre starting and Cody coming off the bench. And, I mean, that doesn't always mean anything. Ginobili came off the bench for years. He was, at worst, the third best player on that Spurs team that won all those championships coming off the bench. But you're down three of your top guards headed back to the place where you just got absolutely demolished and beat down in last year's play-in. We'll see how it goes. We'll be back on here to talk to you about it. Signing out. Adios. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Hive Hoops. Presented by The League. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, be sure to leave a review and let us know what you thought of the episode. Thanks again from Hive Hoops. 